Morning. I'm a one-man show today. Um, Pastor Mensel, Jake, and his family are sad not to be here. They're in Bloomington, and we were all, several of us, were in Bloomington. I was in Bloomington with my wife, Megan, and Ryan and Gretchen were in Bloomington, and the Albersons are in Bloomington because this weekend is the retirement celebration for Tim Bailey, who... A lot of you won't know that name, but he was our pastor for years and is like another dad to me. He had been ministering for over 30 years at this church. It was a very sweet, pretty emotionally intense time. Um, very good to be there. So the Mensels are worshiping up in Bloomington today with Andy Albersons too. Tim has been like a dad to a lot of us. And um, that's why they're not here. Let me, let me pray for us before we get started. Then we'll get into the scriptures. Father, thank you for time together as your body today. Uh, we, we do pray for Tim Bailey, my former pastor, and my father in the faith. We ask God that you would strengthen him and his wife, Mary Lee, and bless them as they move on to a new stage of their life where Tim will still be ministering and teaching but not as a part of the church he served and built for so long and poured sweat and blood and tears into. God, please bless the fruit of his work there. Bless the church as it transitions to have a new senior pastor. And bless Tim and Mary Lee as they figure out the work that you would have for them next. We also lift up to you um, the Conrad family in the loss of Geneva Conrad, uh, mother and grandmother, and we pray that you will bless her funeral this evening as the family gathers to mourn her and remember her. Um, please bless all the Conrads, um, including Amanda Mensel and the rest of the Mensels as they, as they grieve. Be with them, God, in their grief. We pray now that you would be with us as we listen to your word and as we think about what it means to control emotions and that you would give grace and strength to the words of my mouth and that you would be with the heart of everyone who hears your word so that it would be fruitful. In Jesus' name, amen. So today, I'm high tech, high tech. We're going to be talking about emotions and how to control them. Mostly from Proverbs, but it'll take me a little bit to get into the Proverbs. Uh, Solomon. Solomon wrote the Proverbs. Solomon was a man who did let his emotions control him at a certain point in his life. If you know the story of Solomon, you know that it wasn't pretty. Solomon wrote all these Proverbs, wrote or arranged them, and he had a lot of self-control. But as he gave himself to if you know the word inordinate, I think it's a good word for this, an inordinate de desire for women, more and more wives, wives and wives and wives. He had hundreds of them. Um, he also gave himself to a desire to please every wife by worshiping whatever her God was, whatever kind of idol it was, because his wives came from many lands and they brought their gods with them. And Solomon is it a secret that husbands want to please their wives? There's a natural bent in husbands to please their wives? Well, 
Solomon's emotions were not in control, not in having so many wives, and not in wanting to please them in that way because he turned aside from God and the consequences of Solomon following his heart, we could say, were really disastrous because it broke up the kingdom of Israel. When Solomon's son came into power, it was not very long before his son, who had learned something from his dad about what it means to, like, just get whatever you feel like you want, was harsh with the people of the kingdom, and the kingdom was torn into. And it was God's judgment on Solomon and Solomon's house. So that's, maybe you don't think of that as just emotions and what can happen with our emotions, but that's emotions. There's other things too, right? But it's, it's emotions, it's feelings, it's desires. What are emotions? Well, the Bible doesn't give us a textbook definition any more than it gives us a textbook definition of thought, right? But you, you know what your emotions are. You know what your thoughts are. Okay, you might, you might think about your future, but what does your heart say? Isn't that what our culture likes to throw at us? Follow your heart. It's Disney's, it's Disney's way of teaching all of us, and especially your kids. Do you have a feeling? Oh, you have a feeling. Is it a strong feeling? Well, you know what you should do with that strong feeling. Let it completely dominate and order your life. Give up your plans. Give up your thoughts. Let that feeling rule you. Does that feeling tell you that God might have made you to be a man, but you want to be a woman or vice versa? Follow your heart. Follow your heart. Any of you ever followed your heart? <laughs> you were really angry. You needed a way to vent. So you followed your heart and you let your wife have it. <laughs> right? You were, you were a teenage boy. I was a teenage boy. Teenage boys have things called hormones. Hormones influence your emotions a lot. Sometimes you want things you shouldn't want. You have desires to lust. What happens if you follow your heart? It's not pretty. It's not pretty. I can think of multiple times in my life that if I followed my heart, ah, oh, what does my heart say? Let's see. Heart, what do you say? Crawl in a hole and die. That would have been that. Because <laughs> it's emotions, right? Our emotions are not always our friends, are they? They're not always... They're not always, like, on our side. If we just follow our hearts, well, that could lead us anywhere. It could lead to an early grave. It could lead you to be... It could lead, it could lead you to divorce. It could lead you to be a, a rage monster. There will be a whole other sermon in this series about anger. By the way, I should, I should say... <laughs> Jake called this series, Pastor Mensel, self-help summer. But not self-help in the worldly sense. Self-help in the biblical sense. All right. So, we don't let our feelings rule us as Christians. We don't even let our thoughts rule us, exactly. We have crazy thoughts sometimes. Crazy thoughts. You don't just want to be at the mercy of your thoughts and your feelings, do you? Do you? Even if you don't have as many hormones as you did when you were a teenager, no one wants to live at the mercy of their thoughts and feelings. But it's easy for all of us to do. <laughs> so 
What else? Feelings are complicated. They're complicated. They can be hard to describe. Some of them are easy. That made me mad. That made me laugh. That made me want to cry. Okay, that's easy. What about if you're depressed? If you've ever been depressed or been like, you know, clinically depressed? I have. This is a while ago. Kind of hard to describe. It's kind of easy. Just feel bad. But then again, it's like, it's made up of a lot of other feelings and desires and things and you can't, you don't even know what they are. But it sure does have a hold on you. And it's complicated. Um, I don't know how well I did giving Seth verses. So he did the best he could. I gave him like 20, 30 verses probably. Um, and the order may have changed. So Jeremiah 17.9 says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? It's complicated. It's difficult. Our hearts are sinful. Our feelings are corrupted by sin, right? Our bodies are ruined by the fall. You ever, you ever have indigestion and then you start to get angry? <laughs> it's just indigestion, right? You start to get angry. You start to feel lazy. You start to feel lustful. It's what you ate. So you, you, have, to, you have to rule yourself. And God has given us his word so that he can rule over us, which is to say that we rule over ourselves through the power of God and his Holy Spirit. We rule over our thoughts and our emotions and our bodies so that we're not just puppets. Which, yes, I'm saying to you, if you follow the Disney motto, you will be a puppet. Whatever your gut wants, whoop, not going to resist it. That's called slavery. That's not freedom. Proverbs, Proverbs understands this. God understands this. God understands how that dynamic works and how complicated we are. Here's a, here's a couple of verses. Proverbs 14, 13. Even in laughter, the heart may ache, and the end of joy may be grief. Well, that's complicated, right? Sometimes you can be laughing and actually having a good time with your friends and family, but actually part of you wants to cry. You might, even, you might not even know why. But this has happened to all of us, I would bet. Proverbs 14.10, The heart knows its own bitterness, and no stranger shares its joy. Well, sometimes you feel things you can't explain to other people. You feel kind of alone in that emotion. Well, who knows you? Is there anyone who knows you? God knows that. God knows you. God knows all the things that you feel. So the Bible deals a lot with emotions. It deals a lot with feelings. But it especially deals with them in terms of what you ought to want, what you ought to feel, what you ought to desire, right? So right after the fall, after Adam fell into sin, he and Eve had two sons. I don't have a lot of kids here, but I'll pull on, I'll pull on a kid or an adult if you want to answer. Two sons named named, all right, Amon, what were the two sons named? All right, anyone? All right, Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel didn't get along too well. So in Genesis, we read a verse that I think, yeah, in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions, and the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? 
Why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. And Cain did not. Cain did not. Um, Cain killed his brother. That emotion of anger and bitterness and pride, more than just emotions, right? But a lot of emotions in there. He followed his heart. He let himself be carried along. And there we have our first murder in human history. So remember as we talk that we live in a culture that doesn't believe that we have an obligation to feel certain things and suppress certain things. They don't believe in you ought to, you ought not to when it comes to your feelings. Not really. Not really. Some feelings are commanded, like joy. God just tells you directly, feel this. Remember the book of Philippians? We went through it as a church. How often does Paul say, rejoice, rejoice. You there, hey you, you, I'm talking to you, me, you. Rejoice, be happy. Paul, easy. I'm trying to follow my heart right now. My heart doesn't want to rejoice. You're cramping my style. You're oppressing me, Paul. No. Rejoice. <laughs> Sometimes you have to be happy whether you want to or not. Because that makes God happy. <laughs> God wants you to be happy. God often does just tell us what to feel. So our emotions aren't neutral, right? Morally neutral. And we do have some responsibility to control them. So how? How? What do you do? How do you control your emotions? You just, you just grab them, grab them, force them back into their hole? Well, not exactly. There's actually a lot of ways in the Bible to control your emotions. A lot of ways. Um, here's a couple of things. I, I, I want to say that the, that, that the biggest long-term way the Bible teaches you to control your emotions is through other emotions or other desires, right, that are stronger and better. You want something else more than you want your lust or your selfishness or your anger or your despair or your fear of the future. You want something more. A couple of examples, a couple of ways you can think of this. Some of you can remember a day when you became a Christian. I'm not sure that I can. I can definitely see different seasons in my life <laughs> and I can see the work God has done. It's hard for me to pinpoint a day. Some of you can. Some of you might even be able to pinpoint an hour. Sometimes it happens, not always. Where, where before you prayed to God, you had this set of feelings. You weren't sure. You didn't know what to do. You felt the darkness of your life and of your sin. You may have been in a funk. But then after you prayed, you had a new and stronger and different set of feelings. You had a feeling of love to God. It didn't exist in your heart before, but suddenly you feel this thing. And you feel love to God. You feel love for his people. You feel a desire to know God and go to heaven. And those feelings are actually, like, they like drive out the other feelings and suppress them. They clear out, right? Now, I know that's dramatic and it's not, it's not a story you could all tell me, but I'm not, I don't care about the drama of it, you understand? you can look at that happening in slow motion in your life too. And you can see how joy 
and the peace of God and a lot of other emotions that God gives you change you. They change you and they kind of drive out the other stuff, right? Um, The other way to think of this is like playing sports. Your coach is pressing you to exhaustion. He's pushing you, pushing you, pushing you. Another drill, another drill. Run the field again. Oh, you want to stop. Run the field again. Okay, you really want to stop. Your body wants to stop. Your emotions also want to stop, right? Because we're complicated. Run it again. If you run it again, what is it that's controlling that? You might not say it's your emotions, right? But there's an emotional component. Maybe it's the desire to please your coach. You love your coach. You want to please him. Maybe you're just, you're just afraid of your coach. <laughs> you don't want him to be mad at you. It's probably a mixture of those things. You have a desire in you to win, to be good at what you're doing. And that desire, it's harder to feel, quote unquote, but it's there and it's driving you. It's, it's driving you more than your feeling of exhaustion or frustration or whatever you feel. It's deeper. You want to win. And those desires are what the coach is pulling on when he forces you to run, 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 do it again, do it again, right? Okay, the Bible's kind of like that too. Oh, you don't feel like loving God. Oh, you don't feel like being happy. Be happy. <laughs> Love God. Not everything, in other words, is about how you feel right now. <laughs> if you want to prove to me that you have a desire, right, a feeling, again, I know language is tricky, but follow me, right? A feeling of, I love God, I love his people. How would I know that? I would know that by the way that you obeyed God when you didn't feel like it. That would show me what your real feelings were. Does that make sense to you? It's what coaches understand. It's what the Bible understands, right? So I, there's, there's one feeling in particular It's not just a feeling or an emotion, but it definitely has an emotional component. That's because we're finally coming more into Proverbs. This is this is this is what Proverbs puts at the top of the heaps of what you feel and what you want and what you're afraid of. And that should give you a clue of what I'm gonna say. Does anyone wanna guess? I almost just said it. Fear of Fear of the Lord. Yes, you're right, Caleb. It's fear of the Lord. So Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And then from there, we go on to see every single consequence that comes if you fear God or if you don't. (laughs) Psalm, the Psalms have a lot about the fear of the Lord. I'm not going to talk much about Psalms today. Obviously, the Psalms have a lot to say about emotions. Psalm 2.11 says, Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Psalm 119.120 says, My flesh trembles for fear of you, and I am afraid of your judgments. So there's an emotional component to fear of the Lord. And part of that emotional component is, let's call it fear. <laughs> let's call it fear. We'll call it a lot of other things. We'll call it reverence. We'll call it trust. Even love. Even love. Because for a Christian... Fearing God and loving God are actually two sides of the same coin. And if that doesn't make sense to you intuitively, the more you know God, the more it will make sense to you intuitively. And I'm going to talk more about it as we go. Let me just read some more Proverbs about the fear of the Lord. 
So Proverbs 8, 13, the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. That's wisdom talking. I hate it, says wisdom. Proverbs 14, 2, whoever walks in uprightness fears the Lord, but he who is devious in his ways despises him. Proverbs 14, 26, in the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence and his children will have a refuge. Proverbs 14, 27, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. Proverbs 22, 4, the reward for humility and the fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. I, I was thinking, our feelings, they go every which way, right? They just go everywhere sometimes. Um, if you think of them like sheep, uh, they're like sheep without a shepherd. They're just going to start running over the cliff. They're going to start eating, you know, a poisonous root or something. They're going to start wandering off towards the wolves. They're just going to go everywhere, right? But then the shepherd appears, and the shepherd brings order. And he tells, puts the feelings in their place, in their right place. No, you can't go eat poison. No, you can't go be wolf dinner. No, you can't go over the cliff. And the shepherd is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord rules our hearts. It's meant to rule our hearts and help us. Help stabilize us <laughs> when we don't feel very stable. So years ago, when I lived in Washington State, I had a bad evening. I had a bad evening. I was a student in Seattle at a little university there, and I would bus up and I would bus down. And busing up and down took a long time, um, especially at night because of the bus system. So I would get back late at night. I would get into the parking lot, and then I would drive like 10, 15 minutes home, which was a little uh, apartment above the garage of a family in my church. Um, and for some reason, I can't remember why I was so late tonight, but it was really late. Maybe it was a bus system thing or just a late class or something. So I want to say it was, it was after midnight that I was driving home, I think. Um, and my car died. Um, I, I had a series of cars that would just routinely die in those days. Uh, the days of budget living. Um, and it died on the side of the road, and I was like, it's after midnight, <laughs> who am I going to call? And I didn't want to do this, but I did it. I called, you know, my landlord, the dad, the family, right, of this church. I called, called their home line, woke him up out of bed, felt bad about it, but he came, he jump-started my car, I made it home. <laughs> well, but I, <laughs> then I didn't. <laughs> because <laughs> there's a gas station right before I got to my apartment. <clears throat> so he went on home, and I pulled into this gas station. I was almost out of gas, and I was like, well, it could die again, but I hope it won't. <laughs> Turn it off, fill it with gas. Of course it doesn't start. <laughs> what an idiot, right? What an idiot. And, <laughs> and then I was a little dumber after that, because <laughs> I called him again, <laughs> woke him up out of bed again <laughs> to come and jumpstart me again. <laughs> Oh, he was not happy. This poor man. He was not happy. Oh, and I, I was, I felt bad, and I should have. And the, the car wouldn't, sorry, it wouldn't jump start again. So I had to leave it at the gas station parked. And he drove me, drove me back home to the apartment. And as I got in, it's really late now. <laughs> and, and my landlord is mad at me. You know, he's part of my church. He's mad at me. And you, you would understand why, right? You would be mad too. <laughs> this dumb kid. What's he doing? Kid in his 20s. Um, 
And then I just, I'm just sitting there in the dark, and I don't have a girlfriend, and I don't know what I'm doing after this college degree, and my whole life just feels like a very lame life, especially right then. Just like, I am a loser. That's how I felt. And I'm stupid. Um, and all of these feelings, you can kind of imagine. All, a lot of temptations to self-pity. Maybe bitterness, I don't remember. Definitely self-pity. Um, and just like, oh, woe is me, uh, you know. And then a lot of just, and then also feeling ashamed <laughs> because he was mad at me. Um, and I remember I knelt to pray. I just had this sense of, um, this is okay. And the sense was a little hard to describe for you, but it was like, this is God's discipline of me right now. And I can trust him even with my stupidity. I can trust him with being a stupid 20-something who doesn't know what he's doing next in his life and has no girlfriend. Okay, I can trust God. God has me in his hands. And I just had a sense of that. I had a sense of that. Prayed about it. And I felt weirdly comforted. (laughs) It was not a good evening. But I felt comforted. Okay, that's the fear of the Lord. If you say, well, you weren't trembling with fear. It's like, no, no. But fear of the Lord is kind of a bigger thing than just trembling with fear. It's that too sometimes. There have been times in my life I've trembled with fear, and it was fear of the Lord. But God is big and scary. I knew it wouldn't do me any good to spit in his face like it was his fault that I was an idiot, right? Or his fault that I'd made choices in my life that had got me to here where I had a dumb car that broke down and whatever. God is big. God had me in his hands. He had me in his hands. I was in his plan. When I say God is big and scary, does that sound like a comfort to you? Maybe not. Okay, what if that big and scary God is your dad, right? What if he's your father in heaven? As a kid, you wanted a dad who was big and scary in the right way, right? And maybe you didn't have a dad like that. Maybe your dad was harsh or maybe your dad was just gone. That's okay. God is a good father. And God is scary. It's a good thing that he's your father (laughs) and that you're not his enemy because that would be bad. Well, it's the fear of the Lord. Um, I had a lot of desires and reactions, but by faith I reacted, right? To God, to an invisible God who I knew held me in his hands. And you can do that. Okay, how else? How else? A big, a big part of Proverbs is think about the consequences of what you feel and where it will lead you. If you read the Psalms, you get to see men pouring out their hearts to God, right? And you should do that. You should pray to God. God will help you with your feelings. God will help you if you don't know what you're feeling or if you feel crushed. He will help you. He'll help you. Proverbs has a different angle. Proverbs is like, what's going to happen to you if you feel this and go this way? Let's think about that. What about if you feel this and go this way? Let's think about that. Um, Proverbs 5, 1 through 14 says, My son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey 
and her speech is smoother than oil, but in the end she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol, which Sheol's the underworld, right? Kind of like hell. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander and she does not know it. And now, O sons, listen to me and do not depart from the words of my mouth. By the way, can you hear the emotion and the intensity? Don't just read this like it's Bible speak. Think of it like a dad talking to his son. There's a lot of emotion in here, a lot of like, I'm pleading with you, don't die. Keep your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless, lest strangers take their fill of your strength and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And at the end of your life, you groan when your flesh and body are consumed. And you say, how I hated discipline and my heart despised reproof. I hear some emotions in there. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. So you can see in there the things I've been talking about, right? This is fighting feelings with other feelings. How do, how do we get those other feelings? Well, we're, we're thinking of, hey, son, here's, here's a thought exercise. Imagine you follow all those feelings your hormones give you of lust. Follow them. Think about where that will put you. You will be dead. Your reputation will be ruined. Your life will be wasted. Even your body is going to be consumed. And you'll feel that viscerally. You'll feel it viscerally. That's a bunch of negative feelings. There's, there's fear of death. How often do Proverbs, how often does God use fear of death to help us? No, 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 don't, don't do that. Think about this. You will die. Do you want to die? No, I don't want to die. Okay, then don't do that. Don't follow that. Don't follow your heart. Think about how it's using shame. It's using shame and the public reproach that comes with something that seems very private at first. Adultery is a hidden thing. Lust. Lust is a hidden thing. But it has some public consequences. Why don't you think about those now and how you'll feel? Why don't you think about that? Those are some strong feelings, a fear of shame, a fear of death. And the Bible is not ashamed to use those feelings to help us. Shame is a bad word mostly in our culture. And there are ways to be ashamed of things we shouldn't be ashamed of. And we shouldn't be ashamed of those things. But there's things we should be ashamed of. There are places where if you feel shame, guess what? That's just like when you touch a hot stove. Ow. Touch. Ow. It burned me. You know, some people have conditions where they can't feel through their fingers and they have to be careful around fire because they can just turn around to find they've burned themselves incredibly badly. They didn't know it. But if you have shame, shame is like the thing that says, ow, it proves your conscience is alive. It's sensitive. It's working. It's helping you. It's not dead. Yay. Three cheers for shame. It's a little sidebar. Can you use this lesson of consequences and emotions? Can you apply it to anxiety, fear about your kids, Uh, indifference? (laughs) Can you apply it to other things, your anger? Sure, you can. You can think about where things will lead you. Well, I feel lazy. But if I don't work, I won't eat. 
So I'm going to stomp on that lazy feeling as best I can, and I'm going to try to enjoy my work as best I can, because I want to eat, or I want my family to eat, or, okay, right? You get the idea. And, and there's, there's good consequences, too. I don't mean to dwell entirely on the negatives. It's just easier to dwell on the negatives when we're talking about emotions. But hey, how about promises of happiness in life? Everywhere in Proverbs, everywhere in the Bible, just a billion of them. What's hard is actually dealing with them because they're so intense that it's hard to calibrate yourself to feel the intensity of God's promises and his kindness and his goodness. It's just like too much for us. We're like, I just want to be decently happy and play some video games once in a while. I don't, like this heaven stuff, it's like, it's so intense and so crazy that it's too much joy for our hearts to contain and we have to work at that. Okay, that, that's also a sidebar. Um, but Proverbs is full, so Proverbs 14.30, for instance, because often these negative and positive consequences come together. Proverbs 14.30, a tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. Okay, you ever have feelings of envy? <laughs> envy of someone else's, I don't know, wife, house, car, status, talents, creativity, skills, their hair color, whatever. Well, on the one hand, envy is going to have a physical effect on you. It will sap you of energy, right? And on the other hand, if you could just be at peace and be content with what God gives you, you're going to be happier. You're going to have a sense of peace. You're going to just, you're going to have a, a better life now. <laughs> but you will. Okay, here's two consequences, positive, negative. Keep them together. Keep them together in your heart. Put those things in your heart. That's meant to be helpful to you and practical to you. And you can look around you to verify. You can look around you in the world. It's not like it's hard. You can look at your own life, just the way I shared a story with you. You can look at other people's lives. You can see that when people give in to feelings of laziness, that changes their life <laughs> in bad ways. And when people don't, when they're diligent, generally they're more successful. And you can look and see how do I want to think about this? And how do I want to try to calibrate my emotions about work? What if I decide I'm not going to hate it? <laughs> it's a good start for some of you teenagers. I don't have a lot of you here today. Uh, I guess I have a decent amount of you. By the way, by the way, tell your, tell your kids about your sins and failures with your emotions. Your, fail, which are your failures of self-control, right? And what's happened. Tell them about where God has blessed you and helped you have self-control and what that's meant. Be a living lesson to them. They need it. They need it. <laughs> we all need it. We need it from each other too. But let me talk to the parents in here. I mean, there are certainly plenty of things you shouldn't tell them till they're older about what you've done, about your life, your sins, your emotions. <laughs> But you can teach them what you've learned through consequences, and that will help their emotional life. It will. Um, I, when my wife and I got married three years ago, almost exactly three years ago, my dad stood up at the rehearsal dinner, and he addressed us in front of family and friends, and he said, with tears in his eyes, don't close your hearts to each other. Don't harden your hearts. He was crying. It was very vulnerable. It was very emotional. Um, and he was talking about his failure to love 
my mom. And their marriage died. Ended in divorce. And that was a very vulnerable thing for him to do, let me tell you. Like. <laughs> but do you think it was helpful to me? Yeah. Yeah, it's helpful to me. It's very sweet. So, you can help your kids. You can help your kids. You can talk to them about what you felt like when you were their age. And then the choices you made based on your feelings and how you wish you'd trained your heart to feel what God wanted you to feel. <laughs> right? That's helpful. Proverbs 12.25 says, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. So often, uh, we need each other. Often the word that you need to help you process whatever you're going through is in someone else's mouth. You don't have it. You need help. You need someone to encourage you. Maybe pray with you. Maybe process something with you. Maybe sometimes just tell you, hey, snap out of it. Sometimes my wife does that to me. That can be helpful too. This, this is complicated. There's different responses for different things. But we need each other. <laughs> we need each other. Are, are you willing to find help from other people? Are you willing to be, to feel vulnerable? Or would you rather not go to the trouble? Would you rather just stew in your own juices instead of being open to other people's help? Sometimes I would. It's annoying to keep having to ask other people for help or to be open to my wife about how I'm feeling. Meanwhile, she knows I'm having a bad day. Shocker. How did she figure that out? Maybe it's the way that I was moody and snapping at her. But I'm not going to tell her what's going on. That's dumb, right? <laughs> Who does that help? No one. No one. And with each other in the body of Christ, we have to work to build relationships of trust. You people are here in this room, all of us, so that we can talk about things. It doesn't mean that there's going to be a deep dive counseling session with everyone in this room. It's not what I'm talking about. But there are people here who can help you process things. You don't know until you pray about it, until you ask. So another way, another way that I, could, that I could give you the same message, sort of, and I kind of already said this, but I want to I just want to help you think about this as we wrap up, is the message of Proverbs is, guess what? It doesn't matter what you feel. Fear God and get wisdom. Are you having a bad day today? Okay, here's what I think you should do. Fear God and get wisdom. Are you having a good day today? Are you happy? That's great. Here's what I think you should do. Fear God and get wisdom. Are you, are you clinically depressed? Do you take medications for depression? Done that? Here's what I think you should do. Fear God and get wisdom. Are you worried about the future? Do you struggle with feelings of indifference towards God? Struggle with, like, the whole loving your neighbor thing? Here's what I think you should do. Fear God and get wisdom. One day, I, this was also back in my Washington State days, but it was later than the, the incident that I recounted. I, I, I had a roommate a very good roommate, a friend, and some mornings we would wake up and pray together. We did it like several times a week. It was a good discipline. I had to get up pretty early because I drove like 45 minutes to work every day. I think work started at 7, 9, or I don't remember. So, so we got up early, and I'm actually a pretty moody guy once you get to know me. And I was worse back then. 
Well, maybe, maybe not. Um, I asked my wife about that. Uh, so I, I, I was moody. I woke up, I was moody. I was depressed. I was unhappy with everything. Blah, blah, blah. And so I was sharing that as a prayer request. And this roommate had dealt with a lot of that for me. And he was pretty good about dealing with it. He was sweet. But I just started telling him, oh, man, like, I just, I feel bad today, and I feel worried about work, and I feel insecure about everything in my life, and I just, oh, you know. And he was like, <laughs> he was like, it doesn't matter what you feel. <laughs> um, he probably said something else. He probably said, like, you just need to trust God and keep going and not let your emotions control you. I don't remember what he said, but I remember he said that. That did not make me happy. That's annoying. Coming to you for comfort and sympathy. That's what you got for me. Stop it. Um, so as I drove 45 minutes to work, I was still moody, except I was with the added benefit of being irritated at this friend. Man. And then suddenly something clicked on the drive to work. It was a very interesting moment. And it was like, wait a minute. It doesn't matter what I feel. What? You know, I suddenly, it was weird. It's like a light bulb went on. And I tell you, it only lasted one day, but I had one of the best days ever. <laughs> I really did. I was happy. Why was I happy? Well, I was like, wait a minute. All these feelings of like shame and insecurity and depression and sadness and like whatever. I don't have to be ruled by them. I don't have to be controlled by them. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I want to live to please God. So I just stopped. Like I said, it's only one day. My friend would always say to me, because I told him that. I was like, man, I had the best day ever. He was like, eh, yeah, but you'll, you'll, you'll forget it tomorrow. <laughs> he meant you'll forget the lesson. Um, and he was just being a realist. <laughs> you ever do that? You're like, yes, I got it. I know how to have joy. And then the next day you're like, where did it go? I had it. I had it for one day. It's okay. These things take time. They take a lot of time sometimes. You just chip away. You just chip away. But it was true that I had a good day. It is true that in that sense, it doesn't matter what you feel. Um, sometimes we just got to suppress what we feel. And that's godly and that's going to help us. Don't worry. You're not going to squash your soul. If you suppress what you feel, it's good. Just stop on it a little. It, think about when you're about to have a fight with someone you love. Wife, child, husband, coworker. Maybe you don't love your coworker. You're about to have a fight with them. You can feel things getting tense. Proverbs 17:14 says, "The beginning of strife is like letting out water, so quit before the quarrel breaks out." You have that moment you, your feelings are starting to run hot, but if you would just, just stomp on them a little, you could stop a useless fight from happening. You could, right? And if you did that, if you suppressed those feelings, okay, that's the fear of God. It's the fear of the Lord. Inaction. Something deeper inside you, not your surface feelings, right? Other things, other desires deeper inside you, through the power of the Spirit of God who lives in you is helping you squash a feeling that you ought to squash. God will help you. God will help you. 
You have, you have amazing promises. You have amazing and terrifying warnings. Proverbs is a big book. I didn't even read that many verses from it today. There's a lot in there to learn and process. So do it. Do it. It'll be helpful to you. It's very practical. Use it. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you know our hearts and you know our frames. Thank you that you care about us, each of us individually. Thank you that you teach us how to control ourselves instead of being ruled and dominated by whatever we feel from one day to the next. Thank you, God, for your kindness to us in making us your sons and daughters who can be free through the Spirit of God. We want to be free. I pray for everyone here who's struggling with any number of different things. I pray that you would help them to seek your face and to seek wisdom and trust you for a good future. Um, And I, I pray for those here who are happy today who have joy. I pray that they would remember to thank you, to praise you, to use their joy in their life to please you. I pray that you would be with all of us. In Jesus' name, amen.